This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Sunday, September 4th, 2016. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. The message is by Father Ron Baird. The Gospel lesson has this really startling phrase. But to understand it, you have to go back to the very first sentence of that, which is it says, there were large crowds following him. Now that's really significant because you can imagine what the disciples think about this. You know, it started off with Jesus just gathering the 12 and now they've got large crowds and wherever he goes, they follow him. They're probably saying, Jesus, you know, we made it. You know, we're the hit. Look at all the people. You know, everybody's coming after us. How wonderful all this is. You know, we're a success. And you can almost see Jesus say, watch this. (laughs) And he turns to the crowd and says, if you do not hate your mother and brother and sister and father and children, you can't follow me. The crowd goes, do what? (laughs) Hate my mother? Is he kidding me? The the law says I'm supposed to honor my mother and father. What what does he mean? And as you can see, the crowd starts to thin out and people go, and if that isn't enough, he says, and if you do not hate life itself, you cannot follow me. Some other people said, whoa. And then if all that wasn't enough, at the end he says, and if you do not give up all of your possessions, everything you own, you cannot follow me. How big the crowd do you think the crowd was then? It was probably pretty small. So what is he saying here? I mean, it seems so odd for Jesus to tell us that if you do not hate your mother and brother, father, sisters, children, that you can't follow me. I mean, it flies in the face of the Ten Commandments. I mean, this is a guy that tells us we're even supposed to love our enemies. You know, so we're supposed to love our enemies and hate our mother? You know, how does that work? Well, to understand this, you've got to realize what it is that he's really talking about here. And that's that it's not that he, we shouldn't love them the way God loves them. It's that we shouldn't love them the way the human beings tend to love people. You know, when we, um, on Mother's Day, assuming your mother's still alive, who do you call? Mm-hmm. Your mother, right? You know, when, that's what we do. That we are always possessive of our relationships. It's my mother and father, my kids. You know, and if you don't believe that, what happens if your kids do something wrong? <laughs> that son of yours. <laughs> we give them to their mother or father, as the case may be. But well, what do we do? We try to correct them because we try to make them do it correctly, right? What happens if they don't make good grades? Hmm? You tell them they got to work harder, right? All of that is controlling behavior. And we do that naturally in relationships, don't we? You know, anybody who's been married very long knows that it doesn't take very long before all those things that were so cute when you were dating now are just annoying. <laughs> and why do they keep doing that? You know, they never pick up after themselves. You know, what's that all about? And so, over and over again, our relationships, we try to retrain people to get them to conform to what we know is right. The only person I know that's been successful at that is Jan. And Zach told me once he does everything that Jan tells him to. (laughs) But it's a controlling kind of thing. And, and what you need to realize is that is not the way God is. That is not what God's love is like. 
Did you ever think about the fact that God has no possessions whatsoever? Not a one. You know, when you go home today, what will you go home in? Hmm? Whose car? Yeah. When you go to your house, whose house will it be? It'll be my house. Yeah. Everything is about us. And that's really what Jesus is talking about when he says that we need to hate things and we need to hate relationships, is that we need to realize that we don't own them. You know, that we are not in possession of those things. That in reality, even God, who creates it all, doesn't possess it. That's not the way he loves. He doesn't do things that way. Think about this. When God created the world, he managed to put air in the world so that every day you could breathe. What would it be like if God said, if you don't stop that, because you're not supposed to be doing it, no air for you one week? That would be bad, yeah. But, you know, he doesn't give us a timeout from air, does he? You know, even when we, you know, sin and do the things we're not supposed to do, does he come in and say, that's it, you've had it. I'm not putting up with this anymore. You know, you're in trouble. He'll let us make those mistakes, won't he? And so if we're going to love the way God loves, then we have to learn to let things go, to not be so controlling. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't give instruction. Does God give us instruction on what we should do? It's just that he doesn't go to extremes to make us do it. And that controlling behavior, which all of us are guilty of in one degree or another, is what causes us to be miserable and to be tied to the, the, the things of this world. And the truth is, is that if you're going to follow Jesus, there are going to be times when those things come into conflict with where Jesus wants you to be and what he wants you to be doing, and it's not going to work. I'll give you some examples. When I went to a seminary, um, pretty much everybody I knew, except for the people in the church that I attended who sponsored me, and my dad, who pretty much never tried to control me or tell me what to do, he would tell me it was stupid sometimes, but he never told me whether or not I should do it. Um, but pretty much everybody else um, were very upset about it. They, didn't, they thought that I was ruining my life. I mean, my advisor in college... I had to get him to sign, write a letter to send to the seminary recommending me because he was my advisor in college. And he called me into his office on Saturday morning, believe it or not, and said, I can't do this. I said, what do you mean you can't do this? And he goes, he said, I can't be responsible for ruining your life. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, if you go to seminary and become a priest, it's going to ruin your life and I will not take responsibility for it. I said, are you serious? And he said, yes, I'm serious. I said, well, I can't get into seminary if you don't do this. And so he said, well, the only thing is you have to write a letter for me right now and sign it saying God will be responsible for how miserable I'm going to be. <laughs> and I had to do it. And when I went to seminary, pretty much everybody who was my friend um, at that point, everybody that wasn't in my family, in fact, basically turned their back on me. Now, it wasn't so much that they refused to talk to me or anything. It's just that they didn't know what to do with me. I was now one of those, whatever those are. You know, I had become other altogether. And, and it permeates throughout life. Judy had um, uh, met with um, 
her college roommate, who she hadn't seen since we've been married anyway, yesterday. And one of the questions she asked her, she said, is it all right for you to drink if you're married to a priest? <laughs> like, because we're one of those, you know. <laughs> it's like everybody thinks that priests are neutered somehow or other. I haven't figured that one out either. But it's kind of weird that, that somehow or other everybody just kind of walked away. And even to this day when I see people, they're friendly. They're not unfriendly to me. But it's just like we don't have a whole lot to talk about anymore. And they, and they, they feel awkward around me. So when I get out of seminary, I come back to Louisville. I do an internship in Louisville um, for a year at Calvary Church downtown. And now you have to understand that most of my college education and most of my um, seminary education was paid for through an endowment through the Diocese of Kentucky. Well, when I was ordained to the priesthood, you had to, be ordained, you had to have a call before you were ordained, and I was called by God to go to Virginia, which, by the way, wasn't where I ever intended to go, um, but that was where God wanted me to go. And so I was playing my ordination, and I come to find out that a bunch of the clergy in the diocese felt that I was being disloyal to the diocese, and they organized a boycott of my ordination. And so there was not, not a big crowd <laughs> there when I went, but that was the way it was. You know, and, and even a few years back when I decided that I couldn't go down the path with the Episcopal Church anymore, I said I need to go a different direction, then one of the things that's amazed me is that now I've, I've been ordained at that time for 23 years as an Episcopal priest, and do you know how many people in the last year, how many Episcopal priests have called me in the last year? None. None of them talked to me. It's like I died and fell off because now I'm one of them, those people. Now, I don't begrudge them that. It's sad, but I don't begrudge them that because the truth is, is that we have to follow Jesus wherever he calls us. And we have to realize that if we do that, there will be a cost. And it may be relationships, it may be financial, it may even ultimately be your life. But you have to decide what it is you're committing yourself to. Are you willing to follow Jesus as long as things are good? You know, and I'm making good money and everything's wonderful? You know, and all my relationships are happy? Or are you only willing to follow Jesus as long as it's that way, and if things get hard, I don't want to do that anymore. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says that you have to hate all of those things. Not that you have to you know, literally be actively hating them, but that you have to realize where they fit in the proportion of things. Because the truth is you can't love your mother and father and brothers and sisters and your children unless you follow God. Anything else will be simply human love that will be conditional and temporary and can fall away. And that happens all the time in the world. And like with your possessions, you know, a lot of people go, wow, I have to give up all my possessions. I don't know if I can do that. Well, think about this for a moment. When you die, what are you going to do with all your stuff? Have a garage sale. What are you going to do with the money you make from the garage sale? And you can't take it with you, can you? And you got nothing. So you're going to give it all up one way or another. But if you can't relinquish it, imagine how hard it's going to be to die. Because when Jesus comes and comes to get you, what's it going to be like? He says, well, time for you to leave it all behind. We're going to start a new thing now. You go, Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. 
And so even life itself, we have to learn how to hate in that sense, in that we realize that all of it is gift. Everything that we have is a gift from God, including the fact that our heart beats and our bodies work to the extent they do, and even you know, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, everything is grace. It's all a gift from God that he doesn't hold back from us, that he gives freely and shares it, and that we too are called to live a life that begins to see all of those relationships, all of those things, all of that wealth, all of it as being tools to enable us to follow Christ. When we use all of those things in that way, 